For several generations, the way most of us got our news and information was the same, from the local newspaper. Every night, presses would go to work, and by morning... We had our information, and then everything changed. Stop the presses! Stop them! Kill the gates! Stop the presses! Kill the gates! is more of a Hollywood phrase. It's been rare in reality, but in those exceptional circumstances, there was something so urgent, so dramatic, such a drastic change, you had to issue a stop, then someone would signal a change to the plates or type before restarting the presses. In some cases, it took four hours to restart the presses, so it had better be a big deal. Today on Stories and Strategies, digital news startups are changing the face of information and even journalism. It's such a substantial shift in how we consume information, someone should stop the presses. My name is Doug Downs. That short movie scene off the top from Love is News, 1937, 20th Century Fox. My guest today is Karen Unlin, joining us today up the highway in Edmonton, Alberta. Hello, Karen. Hello, Doug. How are things in the chuck today? <laughs> it's, a, it's a beautiful day. We're going to lose all our snow today, I think. So, uh, you know, it's weird. We're in the middle of a pandemic as we record this. So it's, uh, it's strange days, but it's... It's nice. Strange days for everyone globally. That's sort of been the weird thing. Karen, you are the co-founder of Taproot Publishing, which you launched with your business partner, MacMail, in 2017. Within that company, you have several publications, including Taproot Edmonton, which publishes newsletters rounding up local information on various topics, plus podcasts and stories, all focused on the city of Edmonton and surrounding area. You're also the creator of the Alberta Podcast Network. By background, you've run a communications consultancy in Edmonton over nine years. You have a master's in journalism from Carleton University in Ottawa and a BA in Canadian studies from the University of Alberta. But like so many of us, you started as a journalist. And as you started this venture with Taproot, which is a solid business model, that small J journalism thing must have been tugging at you. Yeah, this is the thing that I fell in love with. You know, I was in grade four when I decided that I wanted to be a journalist. And and people who are journalists or who have had that um, background know that it's kind of it's more of a calling than a than a career. Now I finally feel like I've kind of worked my way back to being able to to do my first love. Uh, I do want to dig into what Taproot does specifically, but first, I, I want to outline the model as listeners will recognize in different parts of the world. There are actually, there are a few different ways of doing this, all with permutations. Um, you can do it by subscription, partial subscription, nonprofit, uh, news aggregators. In the United States, the Pew Research Center has published a study of 178 nonprofit journalism websites with the conclusion that they are a growing but fragile 
part of the U.S. news system. Journalism.co.uk published a survey of hyper-local news publishers in the U.K. They estimate there are more than 500 of them in the U.K. The Association de la Prensa de Madrid has published a study of over 400 news media projects launched by journalists. There's an online article examining 18 of Latin America's leading digital web publications. Online, it's called El Boom de la Prensa Digital en Latino America. And in India, some of the examples, there are a lot of examples in India, but some include Quint, Scroll, In Shorts, and Daily Hunt. Karen, let's obviously there's a need <laughs> with that with that list. There's a need that's being filled. What is the need that's been identified here? Uh, I think there's two needs. So one is on the part of the audience. So no matter what has happened to the business, to the journalism business, there's people want to know what's happening in their world, in their jurisdiction, and and in the in the city or town or community where they live. So we have not lost any of our desire to know what's going on around us. And I think that a lot of those uh, startups and and interesting um, kind of developments in in um, online news that that you spoke of are really also speak to the demand or like the desire for journalists to keep doing that job so that even if, they can't stay employed at the newspaper or radio station or TV station that used to allow them to to live that life that they wanted to. Um, they figured out ways to uh, make their own job and to start and to continue to do that work um, as their own boss in many cases or with a small like one or two person shop that continues to do that important function that for society. Okay, so take us through the history of your company, which is a, a, a few years, um, but tell me what Taproot does and, and whom you're offering it to. So maybe I'll just tell you how it, it came about. So I, I worked at the Edmonton Journal for 14 years, and I did lots of different jobs. I started as a reporter and then worked my way into different editor positions. And the last uh, job that I held there was the digital editor. And, and I came into that at a time when the newspaper was finally um, recognizing that they had to do something serious about the internet and and take the take advantage of the power of being able to tell news, tell people what was happening as soon as it happened instead of waiting until the next day and to have the interactivity that was possible, uh, you know, beyond the letter to the editor uh, kind of thing that we could only do when we were just on uh, print. So, uh, and this was at a time when we needed to uh, make the newsroom aware <laughs> of that that shift. And so, I, I do feel like I, I spent a lot, like f about four years, in change management and trying to um, get everybody to kind of change the way they were thinking, which was. Uh, we're going to work all day to be able to tell the news to people tomorrow and um, shift to we're going to tell people what we know as soon as we know it for sure. And so that was was a lot of work <laughs> and a big change. At the same time, the Internet was also destroying the business model that paid all those people to do that thing. So that's kind of what was always happening Around that time, I uh, I met um, Mac Mail, who was a blogger here. In, uh, it remains a blogger here in Edmonton, 
a software developer who had a long-running blog, actually got into podcasting. He had a podcasting company in 2006. He's been wow. at this <laughs> for a long time. Very visionary, way younger than me. And we connected on Twitter and in real life and um, just had a, a mutual desire to continue or to find new ways for local coverage to happen. And we organized a bunch of things together. We participated in this thing called Change Camp. We organized a couple of things we called Media Camps, which kind of get the internet people and the mainstream journalism people in the city together to learn from each other. So that was kind of the foundation of our relationship. And, uh, and we just we're just nerds for this kind of stuff. And we like to talk about this kind of thing. Well, I've been the person in the corporation um, that assembled the clips. I'm not sure if the term is the same everywhere, but basically business leaders and organizational leaders do want to start their day understanding the amazing collection of pertinent emphasis on pertinent and specific information from all the different sources. And they don't want to have to go to the different sources to get it. And back in the day, it was the clips, which was paper and not individual pieces of paper. It was a big old stacks of paper that were the clips. <laughs> um, how are you helping organizations? And is it just the media clips or is it the broader media term where you're, you're providing information from all over? Um. Well, so the, the the kind of the circle we grow we draw around what we're doing for the most part is local. So we just care about what's happening locally. Um, we have a lot. Both Mac and I have long believed that it was really important or interesting, useful to people in different ways. And some of what you you've referred to there, to know what's happening, to organize local information um, in, in a way that is actionable. I think back in those olden days when you were assembling the clips from the, that, that pertained to your organization for, so that the bosses could start their day in a uh, informed way, that was a service you know, not that putting the clips together was, was your service, but the creation of that journalism in the first place was a service that the mainstream media outlets didn't even know they were doing. That was like a nice side benefit <laughs> of what they thought they were doing, which was in, informing the public and what their bosses thought they were doing, which was like creating some stuff that they could sell some ads around, which is like the basis of this whole um, of, of the journalism business in, in the 20th century. So at Taproot, what we believe is that it's, it's valuable to people to, it, if we can gather everything that's happening locally or on a topic locally and tell them that in a um, well-curated, well-expressed kind of way so then they can get on with their day. And we started doing that on the consumer side of things with our Roundup newsletters. So we right now have eight newsletters that tell people weekly what's happening in tech or business or arts or, or the other beats that we have. And then we also learned from doing that 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 kind of curation of information and put it all in one place so you at a glance can see what you need to know to get on with your day was valuable for businesses and organizations as well. And so that's our innovation as far as the, the business model goes is that 
Um, instead of doing relying fully on subscription or fully on advertising, we have this whole other uh, side of our business where we, we organize and deliver information to organizations so that they can do their work. And right now it's Edmonton, but any plans to expand? Yeah, I think that if we solve this hard problem here in Edmonton, that we owe that um, solution to other cities. Every single city in the world has got uh, a problem with local journalism that every, everybody is, and there's lots of people working on those solutions. You, you listed a whole bunch of people. We're not going to be the only solution probably. But I think if we can figure out how to make a sustainable business model that allows us to hire more journalists so that we're not just that one man shop that keeps going until you burn out, um, which is a problem in the in the new kind of the way that local journalism is being done right now by kind of independent operators just doing what they love until they can't do it anymore. Um, if we can build something that can that has you know three robust revenue streams from membership, sponsorship, and this this B two B business that we've developed that that can be the benefit that that can be the basis for something that travels. How it does, we haven't figured that part out yet. Um, maybe it's a franchise. Maybe we run it. May I don't know. We'll figure that part out. But um, that's definitely on the roadmap. Steps at a time. Yeah. There's another example in Edmonton that's very fresh. Our friend Ryan Jesperson. Until very recently, uh, Ryan hosted a morning talk show in Edmonton on local station 630 Chad. He's not at the station anymore, but Ryan clearly wants to stay in that realm. So he is streaming a new version of his talk show online every morning himself and selling advertising. And he's publishing a three-hour podcast of it each day. This is live online streaming and podcasting. That's that's the model this fits into. And this reminds me of a movie <laughs> from my youth. <laughs> you know that feeling that the whole country is like one inch away from saying, that's it, forget it. You think about it, everything's polluted. The environment, the government, the schools, you name it. Yeah, you got it, folks. It's me again with a little attitude for all you out here in white bird land. For all you nice people living in the middle of America, the beautiful. Let's see, we're on uh, 92 FM tonight and it feels like a nice clean little band so far. No one else is using it and the price is right. <laughs> so stay tuned because this is a hard Harry reminding you to eat your cereal with a fork and do your homework in the dark. Christian Slater in Pump Up the Volume from 1990, distributed by Alan Moyle. Now, what he does in this movie is he's running an FM pirate radio station. He's stealing a signal. He, he is committing a crime in, in the movie. Yeah. Um, now, this example shows that we are more empowered in 2021 here to develop media like this on our own. Yeah, it's uh, way easier now than back in Pump Up the Volume days. And then, even for the people who are watching Pump Up the Volume, um, didn't have the kinds of democratic tools that we have right now. So it is completely possible uh, for um, Ryan Jesperson and with able assist from Sam Brooks to, to set up a studio and, and go from his living room. And um, and we've seen uh, like a huge uh, proliferation of 
um, do-it-yourself media that isn't just vanity products, isn't just, uh, you know, something that you do for fun that you can't monetize. It's like it's it's serious and he's going at this obviously in a serious way and he's be- being taken seriously by both listeners and sponsors. Um, he's doing kind of the same thing he did on the radio without all of the other la- layers of support that a radio station with staff does. And so I hope he doesn't burn out because it's like quite a bit. <laughs> he's it's taken a lot, on there. a lot of work. And, I mean, we live in this world of noise. It's also a world of fog um, mm-hmm. as in misinformation and disinformation. Uh, how do you help filter that out? Well, as a service to our readers, we try to give them uh, kind of use our own spidey senses for noticing whether things seem to be uh, well sourced and well reported um, and not just give them a fire hose of everything or give them kind of the stuff that looks a little sketchy. So it's part of what we do is to to filter out the noise and, and, and garbage that's out there without defaulting to its only mainstream media that is um, uh, legitimate because I don't believe that I, I wouldn't be business partners with blogger. If I believed that. I mean, Mac is somebody who has for uh, years just paid attention to Edmonton city council for fun. Right. And so that I know that when he says something is going on at city hall, it is. And so anyway, all this to say that filtering is a really important thing for uh, all journalists to do because we have those skills to, to see, does that seem right? Does that smell right? Does that feel like that could be true? Am I just reacting to that with my emotions or is it grounded in reality? It's an important thing. I do think there's a lot of media literacy that all of us as citizens have to develop maybe in a, in a hurry <laughs> as we're <laughs> bombarded by things that are not as grounded in reality. Can you share what you've seen in in what people want here in 2021 that's different from the traditional models of newspaper, radio, and television? How are our our tastes, it's a mouthful, changing? Hmm. Well, I do think that there is now an expectation of of a two-way kind of participation. So that um, we are not uh, as like up that, that broadcast model of the mid 20th century or um, how newspapers from on high speaking out to the people with, with very little opportunity for the people to speak way of thinking. And, that, and the people can make our things stronger, antiquated way of thinking. And, that, and the people can make our things stronger. And there's a huge amount of work that's being done in future of media and future of journalism um, circles to try to harness the collective intelligence and curiosity of the people to do the work, which the tools allow us to do better than we have ever had before. There's downsides to that. There's trollish behavior that gets that happens as a result of that. We're still kind of we're we're in our. Um, in our printing press moment. It took like a century for the disruption, the societal disruption of the printing press to be worked out, where we kind of had some stability after the enormous revolution that was caused by people being able to easily access 
printed uh, materials. And we're in that moment. We're like like at year 20 of a revolutionary change to our media system. And we're not good at it <laughs> yet, right? We haven't settled in to having, uh, making sure that it doesn't completely destroy our society. It might still. I do, uh, I do on my, on the side, I do a podcast with my daughter called That's a Thing. And she uh, describes to me her media. She's, we started doing this when she was 15 and she's 18 now. And what I notice every time she brings something new to me about what is going on in her media world is how built in to her generation it is to co-create instead of just receive in a, in a, in a passive way, which is how I think of the media of my youth, where we just plop down in front of the TV and watch the same thing that everybody else was watching at the very same time. And we did not, engage in anything like the the level of you know fan fiction and fan art and 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 create co-creation of all this culture around the cultural um, elements of, of her world and so that's the, I think that won't go away well it gives me hope and and taproot has tapped into something I know because you were nominated for an award by lion publishers for one of your newsletters so to get a nomination from the lion publishers for a business idea was very exciting to me it felt like okay i have put the the blood sweat and tears of trying to figure out how to make this work is is being recognized so awesome well i I'm so happy for your success, and I'm really glad you and I were able to get together today. Uh, it's I love your show, Doug, and it's a great honor to be here. If you'd like to send a message to my guest, Karen Unland, you can reach her through Taproot at Karen at taprootpublishing.ca, and we've put that in the show notes. If you liked what you heard today, we're hoping you choose to subscribe to Stories and Strategies and receive updated episodes automatically. We're also hoping you choose to follow and rate this podcast on any directory. And would you do us a favor? Just recommend this podcast to one friend. If you have an idea for an episode or you just want to tell us something, send us a note at info at jgrcommunications.com. Thanks for listening.